G'day party people. This is your one and only source into the shenanigans of a couple of Sheilas. I'm your host, Emma Henrahan, and along with my trailblazing guests, we'll be sharing all of our juicy stories, our biggest secrets, the what not to do's, the lessons we've learnt, or the mistakes and too many times we've been baked. Stay tuned. You're listening to Sheilas and Shenanigans. We are on like Donkey Kong. Today I am here with the beautiful woman that I have been following recently who's finally stepped into her dharma after all these years of knowing it is within her and looking after herself just that way that she can and is going to look after everyone else and is already leading the way when it comes to fitness and recipes and how to look after your body and how to appreciate it and to move with gratitude, which is something we all need to be able to do and something that I like take for granted. And then I just pop onto your little Instagram and I'm like, fuck yes, let's do this. I have a working body. I'm so stoked about it. So today I'm introducing you to someone who he's honestly just blown my mind for so many years. She has hiked the Himalayas on her own. She has volunteered as a nurse in multiple third third world countries and even just her presence just lights you up. So welcome and without further ado to the beautiful Seanade Warrenar. Oh, thank you. That was the most beautiful <laughs> intro. My heart is racing. <laughs> Dude, I, I like feel like I'm that. on a first date or something. <laughs> Am I killing it? Would you yes. come back? Would you swipe right? Yes, I would swipe. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much for that intro. Babe, anytime. You deserve it. Every word of it is true and is you. So Aww. make the most of it. Thank and so you. I'm so excited to have you here. So thank you so much for being here and for letting me hold the space to share your story and who you have become throughout your process and throughout your journey because it's it's so so beautiful and so inspiring inspiring to the point when I was speaking to you on the phone the other day that I told you it's like you can be so intimidating out of the fact that it's so inspiring it's like (laughs) you're killing it in all these ways that I just absolutely froth and you're really embodying Mm the things you preach which is just health and wellness and like not a lot of people are doing that who can actually embody it and froth it and everyday life be so grateful for it. So thank you for giving us that gift and all your other followers and everyone, if not, you will be following us <laughs> at the end of this beautiful podcast. So without further ado, how did you start and get to where you are now, which is sharing your fitness and your health with the world and how people can better themselves? Yeah. Um, I guess from a really young age, I have loved moving my body um it probably began when I was introduced to running uh, as a sport and yeah I was really active at school and I used to always go out on runs with my dad he was in the defense force and part of his training was running and all kinds of movements but I was always really drawn to his running part of his training so I'd follow along with him on his runs and he would always push me and we'd enter community races together and yeah that kind of set the foundation for loving being active and moving and yeah from then I became really um I just yeah I I really 
Uh, <laughs> choking thinking about this part of my life. Um, <clears throat> Dad was really encouraging for me to to race and to run and he was like my number one supporter and he would come to my races and support me at states and yeah I just loved it so much and yeah I, from there I I continued to run and um it I guess goes back then to um losing losing my dad um I I lost him when I was 12 years old and he it was a very tragic accident. He was in a plane crash. He was working for the navy and um yeah, he was he was in a small a small plane and they had an uh a bit of a failure in the air and one of the engines uh failed. So um yeah, so dad actually survived that accident and he was battling for his life for three months in hospital with 90% burns to his body. Um, so, yeah, I, I remember those three months so clearly and I think just thinking about that now when it relates to movement and running, it just – it really inspires me with my movement and my running and just to be so grateful for what I'm able to do now with my body and um, – yeah, so that was kind of the the catalyst for wanting to be a runner and wanting to be this best version of myself physically, mentally. And yeah, that's kind of like my running story. And now when I'm running, I I feel just so close to him and I feel like it it pushes me in every area of my life. So yeah, I just, I want to be this best version of myself when it comes to movement. And I, yeah, it's, I'm, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I can see all of these parts of your life, like, like adding up that I've witnessed from the outside, mm-hmm. from this experience, just with your father. That is so, you know, like that is a 12 year old and three months of looking at your dad who looks completely different, I'm assuming, Mm. 90% of his body completely burnt, going through survival, not knowing whether he's going to make it. And then you get to, you know, as if you're going in and out of the hospital, I'm assuming, Mm. and you get to then feel your body and, like, it's just this process of, like, I'm never taking that for granted again. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, whatever, like, I have on this planet, like, I'm never taking that for granted. Because when it's your dad as well, like, mm. the king of the house, mm. the person who's, like, you know, got to have the most, like, and he's in the Navy, he sounds so fit, like, all these things, and he's had that taken away from him. Yeah. As a 12-year-old, he's not even a teenager yet, you're, like, you're seeing already, like, how much life has to offer you if you make the most of it mm. if you're in the the best health of your life like you can grab it by the balls yeah and make it yours and I just can see how you're now living that and sharing that with people yeah and that is that's such a traumatic story to hear so did your dad end up passing away after those three months yeah so uh like you said um just knowing that like I have this full capacity to to move and to use my body when like you know some people can't and seeing dad 
having to learn to walk again and having to learn to move his fingers and toes and just all those little basics that we take for granted. Mm. So being just, you know, looking back and seeing and thinking about all of that to then applying that in my everyday thinking, wow, I can, I can walk to the fridge. I can walk to the the kitchen and I can just move my legs and I can I can do so many things and we forget how little like how little those those little <laughs> we, we forget to be grateful <laughs> literally like, yeah, yeah we're just like oh my back hurts you know we, we focus on the negative more than the positive mm. like people will be like how are you oh yeah but this instead yeah. of like well every other thing in my body is working well but my little pinky finger isn't doing well today so it's like <laughs> yeah. you focus on that and like yeah. we do that as humans and yeah. it's 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 on it like the word is coming to mind is pathetic but it's it's how we've I guess been conditioned almost mm. and we're trying to fix that one thing instead of yet yeah, be grateful for everything else that we have around us and that comes from experience and you experienced it at such a young age mm. and seeing your king your father like the man of the house like the guy that you were like yes let's go running like he was obviously such a positive influence on your life yeah and then it's seeing him go back to having absolutely really nothing when it mm. comes to having 10 percent of his body that isn't burned absolutely yeah yeah um it's funny because I'm so I'm so open and I love talking about this because it really helps me and I know it helps you know other people's journeys that have experienced something like this but it always there's always an element of like choking when you actually visually uh sorry like verbally speak it so thank you for holding this space and letting me talk about this um but yeah so dad survived the three months and um he had some skin imported from America um, by a really renowned and beautiful surgeon, Fiona Wood. Um, she actually uh, did all the the barley bombing burnings. So she, yeah, she's just this incredible human that uh, she won Australian of the Year a few times and yeah, she took on dad's case and she had some skin imported over from America and that initially started growing really well and then over a bit of time it started getting infected he got pneumonia um it was just like one thing after the other and his body was essentially shutting down and we knew that he is the strongest human he's such a fighter and we were like no he's he's got this he's got this and he kept fighting and then one day um we just saw he was in pain and he went into a coma and at that point we had to decide whether to turn him off life support or let him keep fighting, which I can't even imagine how my mum would have made that decision. But I know I know that it I I know she made the right decision in that moment and she did yeah, I'm I'm just she's an incredible incredible human for having to make this but um, yeah, she she decided to turn him off life support and end his suffering, and we all uh, we all did it together. And yeah, that was a definitely a day that I will never forget. But also, I'm so grateful that I had four other siblings and my mom to be there through that that journey. 
that sounds literally like my worst nightmare in the world yeah. and you continue to have such a positive outlook on mm. everything, you know, like the way you speak about your mum, the way you speak about your siblings and it's so endearing. It's like it, – and it makes me – just really reflective on my life and just be so grateful for everything. And as I was telling you before, like I have such a deep connection to women who've lost their fathers because one of my biggest traumas was holding my dad screaming after this car accident and him not coming to it, screaming dad's dead and just shaking him, trying to pull him with all my weight out of the car. Like I was just a psycho mess on the side of the road during the whole incident Mum was on loudspeaker, so you can only imagine what she was going through. But, yeah, and, like, that – that I guess it was, like, maybe five minutes. Like, I was – the time didn't exist in those moments that he – before he came to, I was – like, it still is just, like, in my head so much and, like, it's my deepest fear that I'll lose my dad. But it's also on this other side of that, like, he was helping me roast vegetables last night like, in my new apartment. I'm like, can you show me how the oven works up here? And he, I'm just so grateful, like so deeply grateful that like it's this borderline of like, oh, but what if he goes? Like it's I'm so attachment also well, almost, I would say. Like I'm just so attached to it. And it's just because I'm like, I, it's just it was such a painful feeling that I went through those moments. And every single moment since though, I've been so fucking grateful to have my dad. Mm. And I don't know if I would have ever had that experience if I didn't like have that experience. So with you, it's like, I just feel deeply connected and so much like, I feel so much grief, I guess, like for people who have lost their dad, but you continue to just like live on for him and live through him and connect with him. And that's what you're doing with your running. And it's such a beautiful thing that you've found. And I think this is a good influence on other people to be able to go, okay, cool. Like, I have lost my dad in the physical realm, but how can I fully connect to him? And what is the activity that does that? And how can I thrive and make the most of a life that he couldn't live, but he's given me, he's gifted me with this like life here. So, and you continue to come back to that with running. And even when you have the massive speed bump, which we'll get to, like you, you are creating ways around that. You're not just like giving up all hope. And I think that that's so powerful that you can teach people how to like come back to an activity or a space or anything that where they can connect with lost like people that they've loved and they've lost yeah wow you said that so perfectly (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you so much um yeah I think we definitely are so capable of so many things that we don't even realize and I've I've explored that since as we'll go into like since I've had injuries and since there's been so many life hiccups this year and the last couple of years that there's always another way or there's always something that will fulfill that part of you that yeah that I guess just will allow you to be that that best version of yourself so I'm excited to explore that with you and yeah oh thank you yeah I think that that's you put it so well like your best version of yourself and what I also see and we'll get to this next part of like what I'm so interested in with you um is that you were obviously in and out of hospitals for three months like you have such gratitude for this beautiful lady who was helping your dad get that skin imported and you 
I've, I've heard that over the years you've always been like people helped me my family so much during that time I want to give back and you have given back <laughs> more than anyone I know like Aww. it's fucking crazy and it's so inspiring like you're one of the only people who I know have done things that I'm like I would really want to do that haven't <laughs> the most volunteering I've done is a five-star resort let's be honest like for the few months Aww. where I was getting given more than I was giving out trust me and so you literally like you became a nurse which by the way let's just touch on that not a fucking chance could you pay me enough money to be a nurse like <laughs> I look at them and I'm just like you are God's gift to earth thank you for doing this I will never do it but it's like saints absolute saints to all nurses and anyone who steps in a hospital day after day and Mm. looks after people like I remember when my friend was first said like how much money she got paid as a nurse and at a young age that was like I was probably like 20 and that was like a lot it was like maybe 35 dollars an hour or something and I was like that's fucking amazing and all you are is a nurse that's ridiculous (laughs) and then she's like yeah clean up shit I do this and I was like actually you should have double that money (laughs) like that's I take back every word of that that's ridiculous that I even thought that and then every time I have been in hospital and have struggled or seen someone in a hospital I'm like oh you just get the deepest respect for Mm. anyone who has gone down that path and you've not only gone down that path but you've then gone and worked for free but not only that you actually paid money to work in third world countries to give back so I want to hear more about that Mm. experience of your life yeah um uh, as from a young age, I always wanted to volunteer. And I think that comes from just yeah, being nurturing, being empathetic, wanting to give and seeing the support and the love that was given to my dad in those three months. I was, I just remember being like, I want to, I want to do that. I want to be like that. Like I want to be that person that gives to these families that are in these situations, you know? And, um, I guess also being a Virgo, (laughs) I just feel like it's like in my nature. But I, yeah, I remember just wanting to, Africa was always on the forefront of my mind and I wanted to go to Africa and I wanted to just surround myself with all those little, all the beautiful African kids that, you know, just were, were struggling from what they were given and, thinking about what we were given at an age, like at that age, I was just like, I don't understand this. Like how, how are they so happy? How are they living, you know, the way that they're living and they're getting such, they're getting so little. And I just wanted, I wanted to be there. I wanted to explore more. And I did my nursing and then I, I was in a, I was in a long relationship for nearly 10 years um, beautiful, beautiful relationship. We were quite young. Um, and we just, I guess we're going different directions and we, it was very amicable and we were mature about that, that parting. Um, and yeah, as soon as that happened, I was like, wow, this is it. I, I'm on my own now. I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go overseas. I'm going to travel. I've never been overseas. I'm going to volunteer. That's, that is what is going to fulfill me. <laughs> Never been overseas, goes to Africa to volunteer. <laughs> like, wow. Well, actually, the first place was Nepal. And oh my God. I was attracted to that over Africa for my first time because being so active, I was like, I want to go trekking. I want to see the Himalayas. And so that was my attraction. And I had this one really beautiful lady in my life. She, um, Her name is Rhonda. <laughs> and she was a nurse at the hospital I was working at. And she said to me, I think 
Nepal is something that you will just love and I yeah I really I really recommend it and so I did my research I just looked up international uh, international volunteering I just had no idea I didn't go through friends I didn't go through anyone that had been through this organization I just googled it I researched it and I was like yeah this is it this feels right so yeah I booked for a couple months after that and I I booked a flight to Nepal and I hadn't really planned my journey I just knew I was going to volunteer first so I booked and paid for my volunteering um, and I did the first five weeks I, I paid for and booked for five weeks and with that came like a homestay family your accommodation your food and all that included um, mind you yes I paid for it all and it wasn't it was affordable but it was also you know an expensive you could have gone to Europe yeah <laughs> first time overseas and you're like I'm gonna go to Nepal trek by myself but also before that I'm just gonna stay in a homestay yeah someone else's house in completely different culture and massive culture shocks would come with that yeah. and then go to a third world country's hospital yeah it's like it completely next level I so just, extreme I love it <laughs> all for it thank you I just had no fear I think coming out of a relationship of 10 years and mm. essentially starting from scratch I didn't know anything about myself I yeah I was I, I was 24 and I was like wow I haven't I haven't done anything I'm sorry not anything I'd done a lot You'd done a, a lot of the normal, like the, yeah. what, what society says was successful, right? You hadn't you bought a house already with your partner. Like yeah. you could have just been like having a kid by that age yeah. and like, you know, ticking all the so-called societal successful boxes. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is funny because I have, it's like, it's kind of reverse where I was 21, he was 23 and uh, we bought our first house. We did a full reno over two years and then we decided to sell that um, and did well selling it. So we thought, okay, well, let's do it again. You know, <laughs> why not? And so we bought another house and we did another reno. And in this time, we had two dogs, both full-time jobs. Um, and we were also engaged, which I haven't really spoken much about, but I'm also really appreciative for that experience. But yeah, we were engaged for four years and we hadn't we hadn't planned a wedding or anything. We were just like hustling and um and So how old were you when you got engaged? 20? Um twenty one. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, twenty just before my twenty first and it was beautiful. Like he he yeah, he was he was great. He it was a beautiful engagement and we had a really lovely relationship and I had a beautiful relationship with his family and it was just such a nice time really I remember because we you went to Aquinas I yeah. had friends that went to Aquinas because I went to this guiding angels which is all the people who went ended up at Aquinas and I remember like having you on socials it would have been honestly my space back in yeah the <laughs> and I remember being like you guys were this like Barbie and Ken style <laughs> like beautiful relationship that like everyone's like and, and obviously it was like that on the inside yeah. as well and it's I remember it's like this you know iconic figure that you're like oh cool they're like already doing it they're living out there like their dreams and their high school sweethearts and it's like yeah, yeah. and so I can imagine 
even making the decision whether or not it's on the right and wrong path, it's like 10 years invested to this beautiful person. It's so scary to think because I said this last night, like a lot of my pain from losing partners, not being with them anymore is like the fear of losing them as a friend. Mm. It's not like just the internet. It's just like losing them altogether. So it's another load of grief, I suppose, that could have been on the other side of that for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think back now to the initial stages of the breakup and I honestly couldn't I didn't even know how to take a step in front of the other I was like what am I without him like what who is this person and it's so heartbreaking to think now like what my younger self went through but obviously as we know everything happens for you and yes at that point we it was it was a mutual split but I would say it was more on his end he was he is very driven and um, I mean, so am I in my own ways, but we had different drives. And although I look back now and I think sh- like, fuck yeah, that would have been, I would be lo- love to be renovating houses now and, and doing that at that time, that wasn't what I deeply wanted to do. I wanted to run. I wanted to race. I wanted to train. I wanted to be physical. I wanted to hike and go traveling. And that at the, that point for him wasn't what he wanted to do. Or maybe, maybe there was a slight, part of him that would like to do that but right then and there it was not on the cards for him and I just was so I was so active and I just we were different going different ways so yeah it was really hard to make that decision especially being engaged and yeah and 10 years yeah. like you grew up with him literally like the, the, all those pinnacle moments in your life happened yeah. with him along by your side like as you said who am I without him yeah and that's so big like I yeah it's a massive decision you made and And yeah and also like having lost my not having a dad and um having Mm. a uh like always a beautiful relationship with my mum but a bit distant and maybe a bit trauma-based because of what had happened so she was on her journey I feel like I leaned a lot on Joel's parents and especially his mum and his sister and we had this really lovely relationship so I think I not only mourned him but I mourned them and I mourned Mm. the dogs like you know he kept the dogs and so yeah it was my god (laughs) babe I'm like like yes yeah I remember my like we were definitely I couldn't be like that was the most pleasant relationship everyone was stoked we broke up but it's like we still loved each other so deeply and because I didn't have the greatest growing up relationship with my mom like not being around his mum just his mum let alone like whole family but like was so heartbreaking Mm. and she still cries when she sees me like it's a mutual thing right and it is it's you're grieving you're not just grieving that one person you're grieving all their friends all their family and like yeah you're losing a really big chunk of yourself if it's six months or like a year if it's 10 years wow that's massive and so especially when he was now the masculine in your life yeah yeah that's huge absolutely like, and you, then you're just like okay sweet so what could I do I'm not just going to go to Bali on a holiday yeah. to Kuda and wear an I Love Bali singlet <laughs> but I'm going to go all the way to Nepal that's what I'm doing by myself <laughs> I actually don't even know if I I think I had booked a oh, I had spaced out like eight weeks of annual leave I think I had so I booked a my flight there and I didn't know how long I was going to stay uh, maybe I booked a flight home because I, I think I might have had to but I was like I'm just going I'm going to stay away for eight weeks if I can so I booked just the five weeks of volunteering and then I thought let's just see what happens after that I know I want to trek 
And so, yeah, I got there and I do ha- I did have that moment where I got off the plane and it was some ridiculous time and I was like, what am I doing? I don't know. I have a phone that has a number that I don't know if I'm going to get Wi-Fi to tell them that I'm here. I know that there's someone standing there with a sign, but like, let's just hope for the best. And then, yeah, once I was like in, t- in the hands of them, I felt so safe and the organisation was amazing. They looked after me and yeah, I just, I, the, the whole experience was, that was my, I reckon the, the life changing moment for me. I think it's, it was the best thing I did after the breakup Mm. and just to put so many things into perspective I was I was left on my own to I guess fend and make my own decisions and things I just hadn't done before because I'd always have Joel to to back me or to you know make decisions for me and I was in a third world country being like fuck I have to have to make every decision by myself yeah and so I was I was placed in this beautiful homestay with this gorgeous dad mum and dad and two kids and he was a doctor so I felt really protected in that way and he sent me to my hospital that I was going to and it was like a public hospital and I was placed straight into the emergency department and I just remember my first day like the the language barrier was already there I was I couldn't they couldn't really speak very well English and I was like walking into the hospital with I I had a few essentials like gloves and things like that and I walked in there and I was like like hi like I I also had another girl with me who was from the states and yeah we had met and we were in the same homestay and we we were going together which was nice um but yeah, we kind of split in that environment because there was just so much chaos going on. And I was pretty much just like pointed to, to, to patients and to fend for myself and and assess them and what they needed. And So straight off the get-go, there was yeah. no um, introduction to anything, nah, no it, orientation nah, to well, this is the hospital. Well, everything was so minimal. Like they, they had a, a space and it was like the emergency bed was this trolley that was dirty. And I guess you can imagine third world countries like what I guess like I can only imagine but from what I've heard from you and we'll go more into I'm like oh my it's it's something that we don't even try to imagine yeah like I'm not fucking ever trying to put my head there I'm in my own victimhood come yeah. on you know like fuck <laughs> that's that. so and you're true. literally there and as you said perspective like yeah. fuck the fact that I'm hurting because of a breakup anymore like this I'm in an emergency room in a third world country <laughs> looking after patients like yeah. you're fully present you're fully there and it's a like nothing you've ever seen before I can guarantee because I can't even imagine like you're saying mm. you know, I, can't, I don't think I can you're gonna have to fully describe it for us yeah oh it's like I would have patients families come in with their their patient who would be their dad and would would be holding them and dragging them from the, the car and saying like no no beat no beat like no heartbeat or anything and I'd be like okay okay like all right let's like trying to trying to get someone to come help me carry this patient this 100 kilo patient and put him on a trolley and then check his pulse and find out that he's not breathing and then get ready to jump on him and do CPR and have the doctors say no 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 like you know just let him go just just let him go wow 
Oh. And so like the protocols are just nothing you've ever seen before because obviously like that would just never happen in an Australian hospital. Well, depending on the facility, like if they would assess the patient upon arrival and see like maybe ask the family like what's their condition or what do you think it is? And if they were like, oh, if a patient said, you know, he has like whatever disease he has like COPD or something where his respiratory was distressed and he came in not breathing and they would then just be like oh pretty much oh he's he's on his way out like and there were situations where they would try like they would be like okay like you know let's do an ECG and check his heart and I had yeah a few moments a few patients come in that were dead that were dead um and like just be checking their pulse and trying to like just bring them back to life I guess and the doctors were just like no no off you go and like I would be left with their bodies and I just grab I don't know if I had like a, a scarf or something I just put it over the top of them and put them on oh a trolley and like push them to the the corner of the room and and hope that they're going to come and get collected safely and taken to the morgue and wow because then it was just like the next person the yeah. next chaos like wow I mean I remember back when you went and Joey a mutual friend of ours described a little bit of what you'd seen and then I think I saw you after that and you described and I was like absolutely jaw dropped mortified I was like mm. oh my god this is nothing this is not a situation I've ever comprehended like what people watch like hospital shows on you know that are based out of Chicago or Seattle or something like that's as much as people would have seen in emergency if they're not a nurse and then it's like you've just gone over and fully experiencing just people be like I guess it's like the the perspective of it is just like yeah that's just a dead body whereas here it's like that is a dead body you know like we're such a shock to our system we don't normalize death more in the western world whereas like in third world countries they just have to yeah like you you this is just the day because by day they lack such facilities um and, and you know what it's funny because they're so well educated like the doctors were incredibly intelligent and you could tell that they were but it was almost like oh you know this is this is every second person so what's mm. the point well, imagine and if they were empathetic to every second person. Yeah. Go home, just a fucking shit show mess. Like, it'd be horrible. <laughs> yeah. They always have to be, like, fully have the most amazing boundaries or just almost, like, cut off their empathy and compassion to a level where they're almost a narcissist to survive. Yeah. Otherwise, I- you'd be taking it all on. How did you go? You're very empathetic. How did you go in um, that sense? Yeah. I, I, just, I just tried so hard. Like, I, I went... I I went above and beyond for my patients as I would here and and with people but I couldn't really give them what like I couldn't give them enough you know a lady came in with her little baby who stopped breathing and the doctor was just he just gave me um diazepam and like a muscle relaxant and was like just give, give it to me and goes per rectal up the bum give it to the baby and like for me, like, yeah, of course I give it. But then after that, I'm like standing there with a patient for like an hour with nasal prongs on his nose to help him breathe. And the doctor's like, no, no, on their way, on their way. And that was really hard for me because yeah. I want to I see through my yeah. patient's care. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really hard, just the time 
thing and um, also like a, a, all these stories are coming up now. Like this man came in with – he'd been bit by a snake and his like whole hand was swollen and he had – like he was seeping and they can't actually be treated unless they purchase their um, – their medication from the chemist so they'd have to have a family member this is emergency mind you yeah so they'd have to have a family member with them to go get their medication so that they've paid for it and then we administer it so unless it's like someone like oh so you're like there's a time period where someone could like I guess even die if they don't get their medication in time well I think it have the money for it yeah it's all dependent I reckon on the doc like they just choose what they want to do really and this guy came in and he was obviously stable in that moment and the doctor was like oh you no, no you need to go get tetanus like family go get tetanus and so that was all like he came back with his tetanus shot and I gave it to him and then the doctor's like all right off you go I'm like this guy's, is been, bitten, shot this guy's been bitten by a snake. He needs an anti-venom. He needs something to <laughs> like, I was like, tetanus shots are that good. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I would just add a, I would have to just let a lot of things go. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's almost like you had to have like such an amazing, or you would get to the point way more than you had the rest of your life. Anyone like, I guess for me, it would be a letting go process being like okay that happened sweet I need to let it go and move on and be in this present moment not completely like I've learned the lessons from that and I've got that experience but like I can't hold on to that mm. whereas I'm quite the person who like holds on to a lot of things and I'm like uh, uh, get like, oh. or I'm like really like this is not justice like th- yeah. that, this is not fair like that is bullshit you know I would have been like almost had to restrain from like fighting the other doctors to get yeah. them to act a certain way which you're in a fucking third world country they've operated the way they have their whole life like you're the one who's coming from the different culture yeah and yeah so it's just like a massive culture shock just being in a third world country and then you're just like okay sweet I'm in the depths of the goriness of like a a fucking ER like that is mental (laughs) in a public hospital so Mm. this is public too like and they're asking them to go pay for things I think that the biggest thing would have freaked me out is like if someone couldn't pay for something then I know that I would have been dipping into my wallet and being like well how can I help this absolute random the amount of things that I did out of like my own doing was like and it was all because I I want that's me like I I had I had to help yeah so like yeah there were definitely moments where I had to do things that were coming from me and I yeah it's they they didn't even have gloves they did not have a box of gloves yeah I, I remember you saying or Joey telling me one or the other that you would be going and buying your own gloves like yeah. you provided a lot out of your own pocket yeah. again not that you already hadn't in paying for your own fucking volunteer work in general to have this experience mm. and this experience to a lot of people if they didn't see it in your eyes and maybe have had your experience growing up would be quite traumatizing and yeah. so like for you to I guess like what a way to integrate then to end up hiking and trekking yeah. the Himalayas yeah. like it's like on your own now I'm trekking <laughs> one step after another okay processing all this yeah. information so how long were you in the hospital for and then when did you end up going trekking yeah so I did I think about five weeks in the hospital um and in that time as well I actually did a couple of days in a private surgery um I got to see some of their surgery over there which was really cool um that was a that was better in a private hospital there um but yeah so after that I actually got sick I got a chest infection and I ended up in hospital myself 
and I was on a drip for a couple of days and me being really holistic and refusing antibiotics, I, I wouldn't take anything when I was sick initially and I got, I got really sick and finally gave in to the antibiotics and I, yeah, I ended up trekking just off the back of that. I, there was no chance. Oh my God, so you were just sick. Yeah. I, I The antibiotics, <laughs> there was no chance I wasn't trekking. I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in the Himalayas. I'm doing, I wanted to, going over there, I was like, I want to do Everest base. But then with timing and just things that were um, just aligning, the Annapurna circuit was better for me, which was, um, it was about 10, 11 days it would have taken, but because I was not quite equipped for it, I ended up just doing the first six days of it. So yeah, I tracked for six days. Um, my homestay family had this really beautiful, um, family friend who had done like guided people through the Himalayas as a guide. And he was like, she'll take you, um, you know, she won't, cause I was very, I'm very, I'm <laughs> very like independent and I want to do everything on my own and not everything but I, I just was like I want to do this like same with I want to travel alone I want to experience everything alone because that's when you know everything comes to life and I, I love like traveling alone if no one has done it oh my god it has to be done mm. like you have to do it it's you you get to know yourself so much and you just like every decision is like okay cool what's my pleasure what's my choice what's in every moment again like you're not bouncing off someone else yeah. and then sort of having a little bit of an influence on you and you're really on especially when you're in a country where there's a culture shock and there's like a language barrier you are just on the go and you all have to have such faith and trust in Mm. yourself and then you have to feel safe I guess in your own container within somewhere that it doesn't naturally feel safe to your body yeah like you're out of your comfort zone a hundred percent and how liberating being able to make those decisions on your own and knowing that you yeah you can do that all on your own and it is great to have someone with you like if you you know someone you love a friend or a family when you're away or traveling to share it with but being put in a situation of like fight or flight on your own is so exhilarating oh it's incredible it's yeah. absolutely incredible and it's funny because it's like sim- like I can relate to the extremism of like you doing this obviously I have not been to a third world country and worked in a fucking ER not at all <laughs> would do I look up to that a hundred percent is that in my nature to do so probably would done the fun things first like <laughs> but like I literally broke up with my boyfriend that I was living with who was again the perfect person like he could have settled down had kids with me like my whole family had to grieve him so sorry guys <laughs> and w- was like okay sweet I'm going to hop on a plane go to Bali first but then I'm going to end up in Perth alone and I've no idea like I'd one friend there yet which wow. is way more than you but I was like oh, I just need to get the fuck out of here and like just be because there's so many influences around Mm. me like so much even just like questioning about the decision you'd made and you're like it's fucking made can Mm. you just support that and like and for you to get away from that completely but not even have contact like I had friends and I was partying like for you to just go into this place where it's literally fight or flight it's so it's it's just yeah again so endearing and Mm. then to integrate that through like post being sick and then being like okay I'm going to track the Himalayas like there is nothing when I watch those documentaries the one that we both would have seen um what's the guy who just recently did the 12 peaks 
Oh, or not even recent, but like, yeah. Um, what's his name? So inspiring. Um, he was on Joe Rogan though. Yeah, listen, uh, that was oh. a great podcast too. Yeah, need um, to listen to that one. He oh, he basically did twelve peaks in like six, not even three months, wasn't yeah. it? Something ridiculous. And when you watch these. Uh, and, and in the process, he carried down a dead body and the dead body died <laughs> on him. Like he went back up. Like he could have been like, I'm done with that. Yeah. So incredible. He's- and it, they, it looks like honestly the most, I guess, lonely, challenging, like if you have anything going on. Like sometimes I can't sit in stillness, right? I just noticed <laughs> recently that like being in, no wonder why people take their phone to the toilet because it's <laughs> such a like claustrophobic, lonely place if you're just stuck there with your emotions and you, we don't do that. We've got so many dis- distractions in society, right? But I'm like th- that when you're hiking with heavy weight on your back, you're all, you're everything. Mm. Like the weather ch- conditions could change. Like you're going uphill. You've been doing it for days on end. You've just got your mind. I feel like when you're walking and doing anything like that, it's just you in your body. Yeah. Like that is a fucking challenging, amazing way to integrate things, but also an amazing way to go fucking insane yeah. if you don't know how to handle yourself. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. So you're processing this like, okay, sweet. I've left home. I'm not joining my partner anymore after 10 years. Like I'm not engaged anymore. Um, okay, sweet. I just experienced all these like things that are coming to your head just before, like traumatic situations where people are pretty much dying on you. Mm. And now, okay, sweet. I'm just sick trekking the Himalayas casually, like with this weight on my back, like just heroic. And it's honestly, maybe if people are struggling with the breakup, what they need to be sent to do. Come to Nady, she's going to sort you out. <laughs> she's got a little coaching package for yeah. you. Hop on a plane, go some, do some volunteering for some fucking perspective in your life. You're not a victim. Sort that person out and then go over and trek. Be oh. alone with yourself for six days mm. with what you're going to sleep in on your back. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. No. I, I, it's so inspiring. Thank I remember you. when you did it and I was like, holy shit, she's just a warrior. That's what I would call you. You're a fucking warrior. <laughs> and it's so like, it's, yeah, I think that that's where you can, you're so strong as well. Like you're physically strong, you're mentally strong, emotionally like, and that is where I'm just like, there's no better coach that I would want in my life is someone who's fucking doing it and embodying it and so grateful for themselves along the process. They can deal with the hiccups. That's what we need to be able to do is deal with those hiccups. So I want you to like, let's come along to the last few years that you've been through Mm -hmm. because it makes me fucking angry. A lot of it, like I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Like you have been through some challenges because you lost your job. Don't know Mm -hmm. how much you want to share on this, but it's a situation that really fucking enrages me. Like, I'm like, this isn't justice. That is not fair. And there's good rage in it because it's like, I want to stand for something. And then it's like, yeah, it's just, I feel for people who have been in your situation over the last few years and who have lost their careers. Mm. Yeah. I'm so open to discussing this. And it's funny because I haven't actually shared this or discussed this in the last however long it's been going on for because I'm so non-judgmental so pro-choice so do whatever you need to do for your body and your rights but for me I am very lucky that I've had beautiful support around me um that I think has helped me along this journey because it is a very lonely journey but I was working for Queensland Health for uh, nearly for about eight years and I was working in the perioperative department so 
essentially surgery. I specialized in any area really. I didn't, I didn't do a lot of, um, I didn't really do emergency orthopedics. You have done the emergency. Yeah. I'm right. Nothing lives up to that standard. You're all pussies. (laughs) Look, I don't need to do this. There's too many resources here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I mean, nursing in general was, I feel like something I was born to do. So I I loved, I loved practicing nursing and I loved being a nurse. Um, And then... I guess I was in a different area. Like I was doing, I was doing surgery. So there were days where I was like, oh, I would really love to be working more with patients as well than, you know, people that are asleep. But it was very exhilarating and I loved, I love all the people gore, are the, the gore, yeah. and <laughs> I love all the gory stuff too. So that was really yeah. fun. And then I got to, I did quite a bit of recovery in that time. So I got to recover my patients and that's where I felt really fulfilled. And yeah, and then, um, the like obviously during those few years the last few years of um COVID I found it really hard to align with people in my environment and I just I knew something wasn't right as you know a lot of people on the same path as me would have felt and yeah it, it came to the decision of losing my job and my career and everything I'd known myself to be as a, at a career point to choosing that or choosing like fear of, of the unknown. And, and I didn't really have a choice to be honest, but um, I was told that if I wasn't vaccinated within seven days that I would be put on suspension. And I knew like I, I knew that it was never a choice to be, to go down that journey for me. I knew I didn't want to be vaccinated and so after seven days, I was very strong about my decision and I waited for, I waited to be contacted and I hadn't been and it, it, you know, a few months went by and I hadn't been contacted and I thought, wow, okay, this is so weird. Like I, I they don't, they, they want to fire me, but they also don't and they can't. They, yeah. They too fucking, yeah, like so they can't it, because of every like you know that there would be repercussions that they were probably fearful of that people are dealing with now exactly and so it none of it made sense I was like this is so bizarre but okay I'll just um I was very lucky to have some work through a friend at a warehouse in this time so I'm yeah really grateful for that period and then I got a, a letter sorry a phone call one day and it was almost like a a threatening phone call from the director and it was to say like these are your options um and I guess the forcefulness of having it and what would happen if I didn't and all that sort of you know propaganda that was happening around that time and I just I strongly said this is not a decision that I am gonna make um I and I yeah I stand by it now and I got fired not long after that. I got a letter saying your contract is terminated and pretty much like on your way and that was it. Uh, I got I did get a um I did get a chance to explain my case and and submit a exemption, but at that point there was no chance in getting an exemption because I didn't have a good enough excuse, I guess. Um 
Yeah, they weren't like even my friend who was told that he has like a very high chance of dying from the vax from a doctor because he's an MMA fighter and their heart rates to just go to unbelievable like mm. places. It's just like that heart condition that was coming up. They're like, yeah, you've got a really high chance of dying from the vax. He's like, so can I have an exemption? And they're like, no. And it's like, what? Like you're, you've scared that like poor, imagine going, I have a high chance of dying from this. Chuck it in. Even though like, I'm pretty sure he'd had COVID. Mm. Like it's just next level that they weren't even handing out exemptions, but they were telling people that they could die from something. And then to yeah. go get like that to me is so scary. So yeah, they were very much, I don't know what excuse you had to have to get an exemption. Yeah. And I mean, this is such an ambiguous topic. Like we could go so down a rabbit hole with this whole conversation mm. because of our beliefs and a hundred percent and the like the level of I could I'll take you down a few rabbit holes yeah freedom yeah and just yeah gosh it's such a yeah huge huge topic but long story short I um <laughs> I stand by the choice that I made I'm really strongly about my human rights and my health and I mm. knew that I wasn't going to submit to a trial drug that hadn't been approved or I mean just in general just it was a vac yeah I mean like I, let's be honest where we are at now we've arrived and yeah. I think at the end of the day it's absolutely fucked that someone who is a nurse who has paid to volunteer in third world countries is just such a fucking saint and given 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 like you and has taken care of so many people out of like literally your own pocket mm. was then got told neglected by the system and being like nah fuck you unless you comply because that's all it was it was complying to some ridiculous thing Everyone I know who's had the vax has had COVID. The mm. whole point was that it wouldn't give you COVID and you wouldn't be able to spread it. They've proven now, we've arrived, <laughs> fuck you all haters, <laughs> that <laughs> Pfizer never trialed that. They no. were lying. They were all lying. And then everyone who got around the propaganda, thank God I'd had my life experience of working in the States, working for journalism, being able to make those propaganda is basically myself like mm. if I wanted to like make you know do interviews you can literally twist anything mm. and I was then able to experience when as soon as it came on the news as soon as COVID started I was like this is hectic and it's going to be propaganda and I just switched it off like I was like I'm not watching any of this shit I'm not getting involved mm. but and I stood by my decision so strongly but in saying that, I was never tested. I never had my boss be like, this is your choice. Like I never really, and my family was so supportive, probably because I had to be scared of me. <laughs> but like we've arrived at a place where they have proven, a Harvard report has gone, the vax is so much more dangerous for you than COVID. And at the end of the day, one of the first decisions that where I was very strongly like, I never knew the medical side of it, right? But I knew the human rights. I know mm. my bodily autonomy. I studied law. Like I know that bodily autonomy, we need to, that I can do the freedom within my body, what I want, and I will not put something in it that someone tells me not to. I'd also gone through a couple of years of coming off or anything the doctors have given me. And that was interesting too, because anyone I would sit down with who's like, no, everyone needs to be vaccinated. I would tell them my personal story about why I wasn't getting vaccinated. By the end of the story, they would all look at me and say, oh, it's okay that you're not though. Like, it's okay. I get your story, but everyone else, they have to. And I'm like, 
No, that's just not you sitting down at a table with them listening to their story mm. because everyone else's story is somewhat along the same lines as mine, which is, and I picked up on in yours, is like, I'm not just going to have antibiotics for the sake of having antibiotics. Like I trust my body. And mm. like, yeah, there's times that obviously just like you, you have to go down that route, right? Mm. And that's fine. But we want to trust as much as we can. So at least like antibiotics, there's some level of proof there. There is no fucking proof with this thing. And it was just absolutely insane that I went, what I was witnessing was people lose their choice and their freedoms of like, if you're a mum and you're a nurse you had no, you had, you had a mortgage. You had no choice. Well, yeah, fucking right. You have to put yeah. food on the table. Like, where were you going to go? And like this, the fear factor of that and how long was this going to last? Mm. Like, and uh, this is why I think at the moment, the people who I most look up to and I'm most like proud of is the ones who've walked away from a career where they've gone to university, they've studied for that career. They're all sort of in the health realm. They've gone, no, I'm willing to lose everything and have nothing and and rather than go and have that vax and those were my inspiration so thank you for being one of those people because that inspired me so much and it made me feel so much less not alone because it was such a lonely process so lonely and I didn't know any in the medical stuff right but I knew that a good friend she worked in ER and she was like M and she'd send me articles and she'd explain what the article was and I trusted her so I was like cool I'll just write just read the explanation. But she was in ER watching kids, people, everyone rock up with symptoms from the vax. And then she was being like petrified from the vax. Then I'm like, well, she's in the medical system that's telling us to do this and she's not doing it. So I'm like, fuck that. I'm not doing it either. But I think that at the end of the day, like we're now going to a point where she also sent me a thing that the FDA had posted. They use a SpongeBob SquarePants I'm um, like a little meme to try and get people to get a fucking booster. Eat a dick, cunt. Are you <laughs> joking me? Like you can't, that's fully illegal to use cartoons to manipulate people anyway yeah. because that's getting into kids' heads and then like turning them on each other. They've already proven that it did nothing. Yeah. Secondly, and then people are writing, she's like, look at the comments and people are like, you know, this is legal what you've done, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I used to get so worked up by things like that and everyone who would be like, you know, the Abby Chatfields, whatever her name is of the world, <laughs> who would just be like, go and get the vaccine otherwise cut those people off and it's like right now I'm like well unfortunately and this has happened to family members and friends of mine so I'm not like fuck you sucked in but I am like you guys are the one with now the vaccine in your system that they've proven is just a full-blown scam that has mRNA in it which fucks up your body I don't Mm. I don't really care (laughs) you're like I can laugh at you if I wanted to I don't I feel sorry for you because you got conned but like I but I don't care anymore there's no shame around my decision like I'm Mm. so stoked what I did what I did but I didn't have the choices you did Mm. you had such a hectic choice you're like cool going through my savings now cool going now you know I was born to be a nurse not that anymore I just got threatened by a phone call okay sweet so that is so courageous Mm. so ballsy and like yeah, and I think that more people need to have that praise because mm. you've led by example. And I think that that's, it was a really hard thing to do because, I mean, there was a lot of friends and family who were judging people. Oh, absolutely. And that was, like you said, a very lonely time. I have I have like a, like a handful of people that got me through that period and I'm just so grateful for that. And, and I'm also really grateful that I didn't have kids and I didn't have a mortgage and I didn't have those things that you know kind of made me think that I had to have it and Mm -hmm. I really feel for those people and like I don't I'm just really lucky for myself and 
you know, that I am in the situation that I am, but I also don't wish upon anybody else that, like, that it's causing them harm. And I know it's, like, sometimes I want to say to the people that made it hard for me, I want to say, like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. But I also just, I say, and I feel like I see you for you and I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that, well, not even I'm sorry, but, like, that's the decision you had to make because that's mm. the what you were fed and that's the position you were in and I, I, I hope that you're okay through this now and, yeah, I don't wish anything bad upon you. So mm. I think I'm just really lucky that, I can see it in that way and I don't have any bad blood for people that make me feel really lonely and uncomfortable at times. Um, But I would say probably the hardest thing was the financial strain of like obviously earning, you know, a a full-time or earning a a good wage to then not being able to get a job because, well, I was, like I said, I was working at a warehouse and I was very grateful for that. Um, but I knew deep down that like I was feeling unf- I feel was feeling unfulfilled. Of course, I'd come from a career that I loved, and so it was lacking my motivation. I wasn't wanting to do anything career wise because I was like I've just been shoved oh, out of yeah. my <laughs> my niche, like my area, what I was born to do. So I was working quite minimal hours with the okay of using my savings to survive. So. Mm. I but guess, knowing that that would end at some point. Exactly. And yeah. being okay with that because of my decision of my body, mm. my rights. Yeah. You know, knowing that that was temporary and or is temporary, just going through that financial strain to now, obviously, you know, in hindsight, like I can look back and think and see that what that was all worth because of where I feel I am now. Mm. And knowing that now I'm starting that journey from all that, I guess you could say suffering and and now it's all making sense to me so mm, yeah you know it's it's brought you into your full dharma yeah. as well like and you still always have those skills and yeah, yeah just like Kia I had Kia on as well and she you know can, comes from this science background where the western world is like tick 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 yes this is perfect like you know and then now it's like this energetic healing she's doing yeah. and for you it's like you're just like helping people do that side of things that we all need to be doing but it's almost opposing the system it's proactive right mm. whereas the system that you both worked in was reactive like going to the hospital is reactive Absolutely. You're not going there proactively. You're going there reactively. Whereas everything you now stand for is proactive. Mm. And yeah, I I had it almost a teary the other day when I Beck sent this thing through and I was like, oh my God, fuck. We're at a time where they've now realized what happened with the whole COVID scenario and like cry right now. And I'm like, and you know, my mom and my dad and my brother, they're all vaxxed. Mm. I'm like, fuck. Like I feel for these people so much more now. I think it was anger and frustration when I was on the other side of it. But now I just dropped into like complete compassion. And even like I've always had the understanding that I'm like – just like you know it's their conditioning it's these people's conditioning if you're watching the news that's what you're consuming then that's what you believe that's mm. your belief system and like people are watching the news because they want to feel informative they want to feel like they're educated and that's just the only source they feel they have whereas i worked for the news turn it off as soon as i'm in the room like and no one listening to this low vibration okay i'm turning it off thank you very much but like that's you know that everyone comes from their own conditioning or if you're a kid and you're mom and dad are doing it like for example at one of the best schools on the gold coast the um the like one of the head girls at the school her dad went and brought in a vax 
campaign basically to their school and she's like and it's and I was just like fuck how's that gonna look in a couple years time you know like and there's these things people thought they were doing from the bottom of their heart to help like he Mm. would have never thought he was hurting anybody and kids were getting that vaccine and having horrible symptoms from it and it's Mm. like fuck I feel so sorry for these people who trusted the system and then it fucked them up because my whole story comes from being like I trusted the system they put me on all these fucking pharmaceuticals and that fucked me up so I now I'm like I don't want to I want to trust fully that I don't have to take Mm. any pharmaceuticals unless it's my like god-given last resort and even then like went and got the biggest feeling recently and was like I'm gonna get high before this (laughs) because I'm not putting an anesthetic in my body and they're like it's gonna be real really tough like it's a massive hole and it was but I was like I will meditate and get high and like have a massive like I've got medicinal cannabis I'll do that before I have the any because it's it's like lives in my body for so Mm. long anyway that's that part of it but I feel like for so many people similar to you, you've found a way, you've been in this reactive system where you're helping people, right? Like it's fucking incredible what you've been doing. But then you come out and you're like, actually, how can I be proactive? The whole point in this is that I don't agree with and might be your story or not like pharmaceuticals and having to get to that stage. So how can I now help people before they even have to get to that stage? Yes, exactly. Yes. And I, and this is what you're doing and you're doing it on social media at the moment. And already I gained so much of it, whether it's like, I'm like actually applying your recipes or your workout programs, which is to come because I'm like so fascinated and so inspired, but it's just like, the gratitude I have for my body, the gratitude I have to move, like the inspiration I have to be like, get out there and do something. It's like, you're now doing it. And that's helping me be proactive Mm. with my body rather than reactive. And that's like, now you have an even more powerful influence. Mm. And I think that's so incredible. But unfortunately you had to get there through this real hardship and these past few years of being like, fuck, I'm going through my savings. I you know, I'm really disheartened that I worked so hard for a career and gave so much and that for that to end, like mm-hmm. that would have been probably where I'm like, how did you like change that narrative? Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're so grateful for anything you have, but how did you be like finally step into this realm? Yeah, I think it came a lot with the decision of, of you know, making the decision of not getting the vax to then seeing like how it affected me with my surroundings, my friendships and things um, that I thought were everything and meant everything to me. And then to realising that like that wasn't the – that wasn't everything to me. It was more like, okay, I now just need to do what's right for me. And and I've always held back on expressing myself through – Uh, social media or just through my passion of fitness and health and I've always held back on that because I've always thought like oh I don't want to be I don't want to burden people people don't want to see this and Mm. you know it's like you said it it's like it's almost confronting and intimidating for people because it's we all want to live that that healthy life right Mm. and so I was like I don't want to be pushing this in people's faces like that's not fair that's that's annoying and so I just I just hit this point this year where I was moving through injuries and I was just, you know, I lost my job. I was moving to injuries. I I had a really bad heartbreak last all of last year and the start of this year from my last relationship. And that took me really long time to get through. And I just, I got to this one point one day where I was fed up with like everything with like 
how I was feeling about losing my job and injuries and heartbreak. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. Like I need to make the change myself and I need to, I need to get back into feeling my best. And I knew that that was going to be through movement, which it always has been. And I've, you know, I've always felt great from my running and, and moving, but it was never, it's not really been how it has like lately where I've discovered cross training and I've discovered so many ways that can make me feel through, really happy through movement. So I then created, you know, my Instagram page and I just started posting things that made me happy. And I had my 10 followers, like my family and a few, you know, a handful of people. And then I just kept posting and I just kept putting things out there that made me happy and and didn't care about what anyone thought. And I know that sounds so cliche that we can say like, oh, just don't worry about what people think and just just do it for you. And I actually started living that and embodying that and Mm. being like, fuck, I actually don't care what people think of me Mm. because I am so, I've made so many decisions this year that make me so proud and make me so happy that I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep doing what makes me happy Mm. and that's sharing my love for for movement and for nutrition and why who wouldn't want to feel and look and live their best life and I'm trying to express that in a way of you know my post on on movement and everything that I'm sharing essentially oh my god and it that it's so that key factor there like who wouldn't want to like live feel look their best like and that it's 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 amazing and mm. I think that it's it's so crazy because it does come back into the last two years how you've been treated like you and how I've felt this is what I relate to is like if someone was like to me like oh well I'm not going to talk to you or I'm going to fight you about your decision that you made with your body which I know is the right one for me for my body and my body has been to fucking rehab my body has been to these places that you weren't there for so fuck off like yeah. and so I'm like I have to protect it because I had I was my only person to make the changes back then and it's like yeah you start to get this I don't give a fucking mode mm. anymore and I think that that's what a lot of people on our side of the realm who are coming out and living their dharma now are like because what was probably holding us all back is the fact that we cared about what other people thought but as soon as those people listened to the news over my story and said you're a fucking weirdo because you didn't get this vax and we all got it and the you know the government who really cares about us but also lets us have bulk junk food and makes a tiny little section more worse for health food like they, they, they look after us we're gonna like ignore you shut you down I was like you know what? I don't care anymore because you already hurt me you hurt me when you didn't listen to my story and like now I'm just gonna protect myself and do what the fuck I want it's almost like it was this beautiful like green card to just be like okay sweet let's do what we want like yeah. it, it worked in our favor to overcome that that's for sure and yeah I think that it's crazy because what you stand for and what you give to people it's it's the same inspiration that John T gives me as well and it's I see it be so intimidating to some people it's intimidating to me and my but in saying that the more it's in my face the more that I see it the better and healthier I've been getting because I'm learning about these things and it's scary to learn about because then you can, you get that little bit of like fuck what have I been doing to my body all these years by eating this or doing that or doing that but like you can change at any point and I've since meeting him this year my 
health has gone through the roof like it's incredible and compared to what it was and it's because I'm constantly learning I'm constantly seeing who, someone who's moving and grateful for their body and it's exactly what I need you it needs to be in our face mm-hmm. like and we spoke about this and I'm going to touch base on my opinion on it anyway but like I don't agree with the whole normalization of people who are overweight and promoting that it is okay it's not okay Mm. it's not okay and it's not fair for the system if we're going to talk about how you should get vaxxed because otherwise it's going to clog up the system you should lose weight because it's going to clog up the system (laughs) it's fucking bullshit and we need to be saying stuff about Mm. it because it's scary for those poor people who again are being conditioned to think it's okay to be overweight Mm. it's not okay on your heart your heart's like fucking give me a break and so when people are intimidated by like being healthy like you're scared to come out and be like oh I'm too healthy that's gonna be like a mirror to people who aren't that it's crazy that we've normalized that in the world absolutely like this is inspiring to me I look at you and I felt it I watched myself the conditioned version of myself be like oh fucking Sinead fuck she's (laughs) fucking doing it all and I'm not like and then I was like bitch you're inspired and you love this and you want to be more like her and that's why you're a little bit intimidated and I was like that's so true that is exactly what I am I'm like oh my god and that I remember one time I was like felt it and I was like actually I'm so inspired by you and I sent you a message being like fuck you're inspiring me like but I remember the first thing that came over was this shadow side of me that was like well you're not doing enough you're not her so let's bring her down and it's like no fuck off she's doing it and she's sharing it like let's give her praise because she needs to continue doing that and I'm like yeah what you're doing is courageous and it shouldn't be it should be fully normalized right but it is courageous and yeah I can relate because that's the conditioning of our world they don't want people like you to be thriving and showing off and then people to be inspired by you because then they won't be relying on the system and Mm -hmm. have a subscription to fucking the pharmaceuticals for the rest of their life because we're promoting unhealthiness at the moment yeah and that's how they're gaining the dollars baby (laughs) amen baby you said that so perfectly (laughs) shit (laughs) it is it's all conditioning yeah and I guess I'm just so grateful that I'm I'm conscious to that and like we're conscious to that and the people on our frequency can see it like that and Mm. I have hit a point where I, I generally can say this I don't give a fuck like I, I remember the younger me, like I've, I've had my, my personal training qualification for like seven years and the younger me was like, I, no way, I'll never share that. Like, because like you said, it's, it's not normalized for us, for me to share what I'm sharing now was, was egotistic. And it was mm. like, look at me, look at me. And I went, I briefly would share things on my personal page, you know, previously. And I always get really lovely messages and people always inquiring about my running and my programs and, you know, everything I do. So that kind of drove me to be like, mm. you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to create this. And the people that are asking all these questions, we can share and and thrive off this together. Yeah. And so, they want to know that's your audience. That's yeah. who you're doing it for. And those other, you know, we spoke about the stats of people who are following your personal page compared to your other page. And it's like, <laughs> are they not supporting it? Are they not supporting you? And I'm like, they're probably just intimidated by you, babe. Like it's just, you know, because they are – aren't doing it and they want to be doing it like every part of everyone wants to look the way Shanae does act the way Shanae does (laughs) no 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 (laughs) I think everyone wants to look their best self yeah that's very yeah 100% and like you said it's hard work like Mm. for me obviously I live and breathe it and I have most of my life so it comes very organically Mm. but I this is all a choice I everything I do every day is 
is to live my best life. So I choose to go to bed at 7.30. Yes, I go to bed at 7.30. I go <laughs> wondering this. Yes, <laughs> I am single and I have no one to attend to. I'm going to bed at 7.30. I'm, I'm inspired by that. As like a night owl who would love that. I'm yeah. so inspired by that. And I laughed at this because <laughs> you posted like what I eat in a day and it was like 3.50 banana. I'm like, <laughs> is she, and my friend and I go, is she waking up and just reaching over and shoving the banana in her mouth or is she waking up early and 3.50 so that's my time like you know I, I go to sleep at 7.30 so I can get up at that time and the reason I get up at that time is because it's when I thrive it's my my energetic self I sound so crazy and I'm a bit of a psycho but I, I a lot of the time I, I, I have very good sleep but when I'm excited for something like if I know I'm running the next day I can't sleep because I'm that it's excited like Christmas for you. yeah <laughs> oh my God, and so, so I love getting up early because I'm excited and I love I also love training when there's no one around. And yeah. for me, being in the gym or being, you know, on, on the bike and on the running track and the pools at that time when there's no one around is so exhilarating. Like, yeah. you know, everyone's asleep while I'm just, you know. Oh, you're getting the biggest jump oh. start ahead as well. Like and if, that, if that's what it is, like a lot of people, that would be why they thrive. But I think that I relate to it on the time that like when I need to change this a probably more to the mornings but I'm like when I everyone goes to bed at night and I'm like in my creative zone it's just so fucking peaceful like it's Mm. just peace and it's just me and there's flow and just like when you're the opposite to when you're at a shopping center like there's too many fucking energies around and it's too chaotic and I'm like I'm not really my full self because there's so many humans so Mm -hmm. it's like if you have a gym to yourself there's no banging sounds like you know that's setting up our nervous system you're just in your own state of flow when you're running you're like your own state of flow rather than all these other people when they're around and it is purely peaceful yeah yeah so I relate to it on the other end of the scale where (laughs) I'm like going to bed when you're waking up (laughs) which I need to change but yeah I get it and yeah and and like I was saying it's all a choice and like it's hard work and it's a choice but that's the life that I've chosen and I understand we all have obstacles and reasons why maybe we can't go to bed at this time or maybe we have you know, so much work to do and I so get that. And mm. like I am very um, – with where I'm at now, I'm very lucky that I have all this time to be training and, um, you know, doing the things that I love. But it is all a choice yeah. and it comes back to that. And if you – if yeah, you make that choice and, yeah. I think that this is exactly it though. It's like people have so many excuses and I'm interested in this on a PT mm. level as well because there's got to be that perfect balance between and as you know, understanding someone's injury and their limitation mm. and respecting it and then also calling out the bullshit, which yeah. is just like a complete like, oh, I can't. You can't because you haven't yet. That's what it is. Like mm. it's not completely I can't. Like it's just up until now I haven't. And then, and you can, we all have the choice to change that. Like when I hit rock bottom, it was like fucking do or die. And it was, it was like, I was so sick and I was so suicidal. And I was like, oh fuck, my uncle committed suicide. I can't do this because I've seen how much it fucked up my family. Like in a sense, it would be super selfish because of my little cousin. So I absolutely love, I know that would change the, alter their lives because Mm. they look up to me and I was like, fuck, I don't have it for myself at the moment. So I'm going to do everything I can and the choice is going to be made to make sure that I can do it for them until I can do it for myself. And then six months in, I was doing it for probably a year in, I was doing it for myself. But like up until then it was like for them, but it was like, 
I had a choice of rock bottom. It was like continue behaving the way you are and life gets worse or fucking choose some fucking discipline, sis, because I had gotten away with no discipline and just gliding by my whole life. Like that was me. I was just like, fuck yeah, I'll just do bare minimum. Like I luckily I love sport. I was competitive. Like so, you know, in that realm, I liked healthy food. I was allergic to too many unhealthy yeah. foods. Saying, fuck. And that was because I went and worked at Baskin Robbins and screwed myself, you know, like all these things they have consequences, but we're not letting people know that enough now and I had that choice but I realized in that I'm like self-love is self-discipline and if you don't want to fucking see it as that and you see self-love is like getting takeout every night and self-indulging then you're going to have consequences it is a natural thing and like our bodies need to be nurtured and taken care of and by putting all this shit in it they're going to be like fuck you I'm not gonna cooperate and then it's gonna be harder everything's gonna be harder when you inflame your body it's gonna be harder to then work out because you feel like shit like it's one of those things where it's like what you're doing it's so funny and I see this a little bit sometimes with John D it's almost like actually he doesn't give a fuck either but it's like oh the you know it's because it is intimidating other people like I go to bed at 7 30 I do this like oh it's like almost like a little shyness away from it whereas it should be like own it like that's what everyone should be doing is waking up at these hours and like going for and trying to create this life where it's like your body your movement your health comes first because Mm. otherwise what exists I've been on that side like my health was fucking shit showed and and everything is everything shit I couldn't Mm. eat you put me in Cuba with my three best friends and I was suicidal Mm. had suicide attempts like I couldn't feel happy or joy or anything I was so fucking numb and reflecting upon being in these beautiful places in the world where I couldn't feel anything so depressing Mm. so I couldn't escape it anymore I was like fuck I used to use travel as my escape away from this bullshit of like my shitty mental health and look forward to these types of things to escape and like that's not working anymore fuck Mm. what do I have to do now and my choice was self-discipline like you have to meditate you have to journal Mm. you have to do all these things that like take time and they take discipline and you've got to be able to normalize that in society not be like oh you're so good I'm so bad the amount of times when I was going into the office for work every time I would have to explain to people why my lunch was so, so healthy why is your lunch? Yes, what? what do you mean? Why is it so healthy? Like, should it yours just not be healthier? And then I don't have to explain as if I'm like pulling out a gun yes. for my lunch. And like, I, I, it's like illegal to have right, this I have here. to hide my lunch or go sit by it's myself. It's weird because like, you already answered the question. Yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I can fully relate. And like, I see that that was probably the older self of you before that I don't give a fuck was like, yeah. people don't want to see this because people ask so many fucking questions or make so many fucking comments yeah. and it's like you have to then counteract that with like this is actually how we should all probably be doing life yeah. I don't have it absolutely nailed and gun ho but like I'm continuing to learn and trying to get it that way and if you wanted to give a fuck about yourself you'd also be doing the same too because the amount of people who say they can't afford to eat healthy yet drink <laughs> fuck off I'm well, just, so dumb just with in it. general the, the amount of people that say I, I can't afford to eat healthy or I don't have the time I think Wow, I... Do you the time to be in hospital? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I just I just say it's it's your choice, babe. Like, it really is. <laughs> that was so well said. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, just, like, touching base on what you were saying then was, like, you know, being in the most beautiful countries in the world and doing these exotic things in our life but not having that self-love or mm. not having, you know, the foundation of what creates self-love is... I know it sounds so cliche, but like it, it truly is everything. Like if you don't love yourself, which I believe is, I, I'm not saying it's easy to love yourself, but if you don't love yourself, nothing will flow. And it can just, it's just starts with 
like the simplest things as, you know, start treating your body, start speaking to yourself like you would speak to your best friend or your partner or someone you love and start with affirmations and, and telling yourself, like I tell myself, I love myself all the time. I'm, mm. I, I'm always like, I love you. And I touch my knee one day if it's sore or if anything, you know, I just touch myself and I'm like, I love you. I love you. Like you're, you're amazing. And that I feel like that seriously, my body hears that and, you know, self-love in that form in, in nutrition and just feeding yourself. Yeah. Obviously good food and moving your body. And it just starts with the basics. Right. And then how much you want it, you will then increase that and, Mm. and, and push yourself to, you know, how badly you want it, how badly you want to feel your best. You know, maybe someone just wants to feel better than how they felt through a really bad heartbreak. And they're like, you know what, I just want to get through this and I just want to feel a bit better and this is what's going to suit me now. But then, you know, you'll start moving through phases where you're like, I want to feel my fucking best and that's going to be going to bed at 7 p.m. and that's going to be this, this, this. Like you have a choice to do all these things. Yeah, yeah. And I love myself so much more because I'm consuming better foods. And and when when I'm strong, which is something you represent so well, and when, you know, I'm, yeah, I have those things that are actually the harder choices down pat I love myself so much more like Mm. there's no if buts or anything about it like it's just like I'm consuming better food I'm looking better I'm looking stronger Mm. I'm feeling stronger it's hard work and dedication and it takes time effort energy money but it's like that's when I feel my best so I love myself more and those people should love themselves more because they're doing the work and like the work people talk about like this inner child work there's so many different realms of it but when it comes to health and fitness and being healthy and like consuming good food and working out like that is the bare minimum is so important and Mm -hmm. I want to get down to like and into like you know your journey with it because your journey is so interesting Mm -hmm. you've had disordered eating under you've been under eating you were a model from the ages of four to 14 you did modeling like Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see and how, learn about how that's made like had some conditionings around like you know old models I feel like when we were growing up were told like no don't eat carbs they just stupid mm. shit you know that like kept you from actually eating well or being afraid of food and I find that with women as well a big thing is like we don't know our hunger cues I've only this year started learning my hunger cues and because for me physically um, when I got down to like 45 kilos or even less I was even less when I lived in Bali I'd had this like jaw injuries so whenever I chewed food I was sort of being re-traumatized but also was sore physically but like it was obviously bringing my real hectic flashbacks into my subconscious I just didn't really like food and I noticed I started only eating soft food like couldn't chew or something like that and I got lost so much weight so Mm. you know there's aspects like that that played into it but also eating only when you're almost starving for women and then you overeat in that person and you're like I'm bloated and I feel like shit because you're not listening to hunger cues you're not doing a day in the life of Shanae which you have like so you eat throughout the day which is incredible mm. and so it's like we, we don't know how to do that we wait until the last minute because women kind of like you know when you're like really hungry and you're starting to feel like smaller by the second oh yeah I'm looking good I'm fucking hungry I need yeah. to eat like that's what's happening right now but we're not doing it because we, we've all been influenced by I guess it's the the 90s heroin chic look Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. In, and you growing up in the nineties, yeah. doing modeling, like, how did that influence you and all this under eating and disordered eating that came from that? It's funny you say that because I, I haven't really thought back to that being like the 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 start of 
my under eating or unhealthy eating journey. But mm. now that I think about it more, and this, this is not my mum's fault in any way, this is her conditioning, but there were, would be comments of, you know, because I was obviously modelling, I was on catwalk, I was doing f- um, magazines, I was doing all of that. And so, like, you know, there was always those little comments that mum would make about not not targeting my weight and saying, like, how I, you know, if I looked bad, it would more be like, oh, just maybe don't eat too much of that, you know. Mm. And it's like, how young was I to, like, you know, obviously I took that in. I was like, oh, okay, I've got to look, I've got to look really good for my shoot tomorrow. So maybe mum's right, I won't eat too much of this, you know. Mm. So, like, n- absolutely not mum's um mum's fault well, in we're any all just way conditioned and conditioned totally it's dropped down to and each generation she, she knows she's so aware of that now like we laugh about it because mm. she's so conscious now um but yeah so then there was I guess there was that unconsciously I probably carried that to then um as I was a runner I I was very intuitive I was living on carbs I was living on I was a meat eater everything you know up until probably the age of 20 maybe 22 where I think I got a bad injury and I wasn't able to run as much. So I then delved into strength and um, like weightlifting. And so then I became um, very conscious of what I was feeding myself because I knew I needed a lot more food. I knew I needed certain foods at certain times. And so I became then very obsessed with counting as we've all done at some point in our life and counting macros was very educational up until this day I, st- I do it now I count my food because I know I know that that helps me with my training and it's a ve- in a very healthy way now yeah well you're probably like have I eaten enough literally I'm, I'm like you're doing weight. I need to eat this like I yeah I need to make sure I'm eating enough because I've been through so many journeys with injuries mm. and under eating and I mean I have a great idea but it, it does help me sometimes stay accountable but um yeah so then I became very obsessed. This definitely was a bit of a hindrance on my relationship at the time as well because I would be weighing all my foods. And, yeah, so then there was that. There was, like, really obsessive over my foods and counting to then after the breakup. After the most recent breakup? No. so first one? First one, yep. So I've I've only had two relationships. So the first one, that was – yeah, that was the obsessive counting – and then we broke up. And then because of that heartbreak, I stopped eating, as you naturally do. Yeah, you just have no appetite as well. It's not even no. anything like you're just like, why would I just, feel absolutely sick? That's it. And yeah. then I lost 10 kilos. So I you was, lost 10 kilos. I lost 10 kilos. Wow. And I was probably... How much did you weigh then? I would have, because I was quite muscly from weight training, I was probably about 55 kilos. Okay. So I was down to about 45. Okay, wow. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, if you scroll back on my Instagram, you'll see photos um, that I've left up, like, because it's part of my journey. But I was like fit anorexic, like muscly anorexic and yeah, um, definitely unhealthy internally, wasn't feeding myself at all. I was so sad. I was so, so upset with my heartbreak. And but I can only imagine that you're the one place you wanted to be is running. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I was connect, just training yeah. through all of the heartbreak. Yeah. And then, yeah, fast forward time, I just went up and down with my weight through um, – I then put the weight on and then when I went to Nepal, I lost 10 kilos again from being sick. Yeah. So I was sick then I trekked and I just – my body just got – yeah, it was like an attack. Yeah. And so, yeah, I got sick from that and then it was just a bit up and down with my weight from there with heartbreak again – um, last year and then yeah it wasn't until the start of probably this year where 
I just, I'm, I'm like at homeostasis now. Like I feel like everything is very back to itself and I'm, I'm at home with my body and I intuitively eat. I know what my body needs. I, I just started eating meat again after five years of being vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's literally changed my life in five months. Yeah. How did you go ego wise and identity wise with that choice? Great question. Cause I, I, um, yeah, I definitely at first was like guilty. (laughs) Yeah. Almost guilty for not, I never preached it, but I was guilty for my beliefs and then changing them, not changing them, but knowing that my body and what it was asking for was more important than what I, Mm. I narrated for myself yeah that's beautiful though because that's Mm. exactly it that's the one sentence that I think a lot of people need to hear and know like I definitely I don't think I went I went pescatarian yeah and then um and now I even noticed like intuitively around my period I want red meat and like and now it's like you know we like I I like thank it you know if you have a beautiful process around it and you're appreciative for it it's like yeah that you know, you can have such a beautiful relationship with. And I think it's just like, you know, I don't eat every day for the sake of just eating it, but mm. be like, does my body want this and need this? And I notice around my period, it will want red meat around about like at least once. So it's like, now I'm listening to it. Whereas before I was depriving it from that out of the fact that I felt guilty. I was like, oh no, I couldn't do that. And like, I'm not the poor cow. I don't really give a fuck about the cow. Let's be <laughs> honest. Like it's more by identity that I told people that yeah. I wasn't eating red meat. And I find a lot of people who... I think I read an article on it the other day and it was like there's this vegan person who had like, you know, had to listen to their body and come back and that it wasn't about eating the meat. It wasn't about anything apart from giving up this identity of being vegan. Mm. That was more important. That was where she struggled. I can wholeheartedly like understand that because there is an element of pride in, you know, I've been, I was a vego or I'm a vego and I have been for five years being proud that, you know, you haven't eaten animals but like, what's, what's to be proud of, I guess. Like, you know, it's just the, the narrative of. Yeah. Unless you're just shutting down farms who are doing it. And yeah, you're, like, you're exactly. probably not saving the world because it's already getting killed anyway. And you're doing your part. Yes. Because you're not contributing mm. wholeheartedly. But like when you're training as much as you are to deprive yourself of that meat, it's like there's, you know, you're actually going against your body. And mm. that's one thing you have. Your one responsibility in the world is to do that. And if it's that you want to be strong enough to then come back to running, which we need to get to, like, yeah. that is the most important thing and so yeah in saying that I want to know like you are doing so much weight training and so much more training in the gym now and you said you had an injury Mm. that sort of like really made you realize that you have to feel strong in all areas so like I I want to more ask like mentally emotionally how did this injury affect you because Mm. as I said earlier I'm like I think that for you, I would feel it would be like a whole nother level of grief and there'd be this attachment I feel to to running because it's like, okay, that's where it connects me to my dad who I lost. But then when you lose running, it's like this whole other flush of grief and it's like you're losing this beautiful attachment you have to something because it connects you to your dad. And it's like now you just can't do it. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, this year has been... A, such a journey because I, I got an injury in January and it followed through till probably about two months ago and it was like um, tibial stress syndrome so it wasn't like it was a fracture or a break or anything it was just something that was fucking there Oof. and like I 
I think it was – I look back now and, I mean, I I still have like, you know, a little niggle here and there with things but that was definitely an emotional thing and I think I'd been through a heartbreak for like a year and a half that I couldn't let go of. Like I am a very – I'm just a – I can't let – that's something I've really worked on this year is letting go of things that don't serve me and I couldn't let go of that heartbreak and I feel like that was – and then, you know, the, the injury was not a result of – so many things energetically like heartbreak and um, wounding and tra- trauma from my dad. I hadn't really worked through a lot of that and I feel like I've worked through a lot of that this year. And yeah, so I think having not having running and having that and nursing and all these things that identified me taken away from me was mm. like, this, yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Like I just was in such a, like truly such a dark place from January till probably mid-year. Wow. And yeah, it's, and I, I look back and I'm so thankful for it now because I, I just, I feel so like radiant and revitalized because of that dark place. And yeah, injuries, anyone that's an athlete or not saying I'm an athlete, but anyone that's in the athletic <laughs> realm or loves a sport that has an injury, like they will know that, that having that taken away from them is literally like death it's a death mm, yeah so. well I had an injury this year it just with soccer like I went back to soccer yeah. and then it was just like this ankle thing that I don't even know there's no real it was basically like a mass soccer for me was similar to running for you right it's like it was like I would go there it would mask all my anything like I would go there I would just watch that ball and I was like it was basically meditation for me it was a release of like anger and all the things I was going through it was my fucking home on that Mm. field and so I went back to it for the first time after 12 years this year and I noticed all the old like this toxic masculine stuff come up all the old things that I had never been able to see it like you know, 12 years old, 15 years old, 18 years old, even when I last played, like I was never able to see that. And like, for example, if I made a mistake on the field, I would go gun ho to the point where I put my body on the line. And then I noticed it when I made this mistake in like one of the first games. And I was like, I'm going to fucking injure myself and no one cares. Like what? And I was just started watching my mentality and it's like, yeah, then I'll prove to the team that I didn't mean to make that mistake. And then they're going to like, you know, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, sis? You're Nearly 30 years old, you're going to go home with a broken ankle because you proved to the team, like, they don't care. <laughs> go say sorry, own it at halftime and, like, change this narrative. And so I was overcoming a lot yeah. of that old stuff. But one of them was, like, having to sit out with an injury for, like, two months. And, and I wasn't supportive. I was so shit. But it was, like, it, my ego was rocked. I was, like, what the and I was just like couldn't show up for the team I couldn't it was all about me and I would notice that I would go watch games and even part of me would be like oh yeah cool they didn't win well I wasn't on the field so that's kind of like a good like <laughs> what the fuck shut up like yeah. who are, and I was all this old stuff that I just had to deal with and sit in and for that being my when I like so I 100% or so much of my mental health survival and emotional st- stability of some sorts that it was in growing up due to soccer and sport for you, it's like running was your mask mm. for like, you know, okay, dad died. I, you know, even though it was a few years to get back into it when it probably was probably like fucking with you. Like I have running, I still have this connection to him. I have it. And then you have, all, you know, I have nursing. That's how I give back because, you know, so many people helped dad during that time. Like I give back through that, but strip that all away mm. from you, sis. And we're left with the rawest trauma of it all yeah. that you haven't dealt with. And this is why in rehab, you can't exercise. 
So I am like, I think someone the other day was like, I don't agree with that. And I was like, I do though, because my mum was a like ex-triathlete and I see it in her that it was her vice. Like a lot of people's vices are exercise and that's fine. It's a healthier vice, right? Mm. But you still have to deal with what's underneath. And sometimes suppressing. Oh yeah, you're still suppressing. And sometimes you're only going to deal with that when it's taken away from you. So you had to sit in your shit for the first six months of this year. Yeah. Because your vices that are very healthy and you love and they are like a part of your dharma were stripped away from you. So you actually have done so much more fucking healing work because you couldn't run. Absolutely. Em. And that's what I think. That's why I think I am where I feel I'm at now is because this year has been like a major death for me of, like you said, losing nursing, losing running. Goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then just – yeah, just like, you know, obviously that financial fear and everything was just like at once and I literally just hurdled myself. I didn't go to any of my running events. I didn't support a lot of friends in races like I would have liked to. Because <laughs> the girls do didn't turn up to one game. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do it. Look at you running out there, like doing what I want to be doing yeah. and I can't. And it's like, yeah, I, I get it. So then I, from th- like, that's what I was still saying before I got fed up with feeling like that. And it was all from myself. I was victim to myself. So that's when I was like, fuck it, get back in the gym. I bought a road bike. I, I hate cycling. Thought I hated cycling. Now fucking love it. Yeah. Bought a road bike, got in the pool, started swimming, got in the gym six days a week. And now like I look at running, I'm so fucking appreciative for running when I can, The you know, from seven days a week to now two or three days a week or three, three, maybe four. <laughs> <laughs> Five, six, seven, nah, eight. <laughs> it's probably at the moment because I'm coming back from this knee, it's probably like two to three days. Mm. So when I do those runs, I'm fucking thriving because I'm like, obviously I wasn't even able to run this year. And yeah, now I just love all these sports that I can do. And yeah, so definitely deaths and rebirths all year. Oh, feels sis. Yeah. Fucking feels. And I got you goosebumps would, when you said it like, yeah even the past like my birthday everything it's just like for me I get when you speak about like I was holding on to that heartbreak fucking oath for the past four five six years or something like not being as close in this relationship I had with like school friends who I grew up with like I couldn't fucking let it go like I just Mm. they were just like sis move the fuck on and and at the end of the day we're not even alive like I love them so much more than anything like but I was like going to things to basically show up to tick a box and to like yeah I love them so so much and what was like interested in finding out their life but I wasn't I was leaving drained rather than ended and I'm like feeling insecure about who I was because they were it wasn't lining me up in those same areas and I couldn't fucking let it go like just fucking let it go so Mm. yeah and then it when it comes to all these I totally I totally get the way it is and it's like yeah I I think that for deaths and rebirths come in so many shapes and forms and especially when you're like we both hit 30 this year and recently yeah go us go us (laughs) and I think that's a big one hey like people like oh it's just a number and I'm like every other birthday 100% sure but this is actually a transition and Mm. it's a transformation if you make it one and if like I remember I looked at like myself going into 29 I was like oh people always suffer from this fucking like 29 shit like oh I'm not where I thought I would be when I was 15 years old I'm not doing that I'm not suffering from that and instead yeah I went through certain things but I could kind of watch myself and finally let go like my birthday was such a big one where I was like okay 
I've some of these people I've only known for like a couple of months or like days or, you know, whatever it is, but these are my soul tribe. And I know that. And like going in, I was just open eventually. Jonty forced me in there, but I was like, finally, and they came out. I was like, Oh my God, I feel like I had a full death and rebirth in so many areas. But when, you know, and with soccer, like that was a death and rebirth and reflecting upon my whole life. So I get it. It's just, there's so many different ways that can come up. It's about utilizing it Mm -hmm. as it does. And with you, you got to like, you got to let like, I think the identity version of Shanae die. You're like, okay, sweet. I don't need to be attached to any identities. Like all I do want to do is feel and look like good, my best and be my best. And like that comes so from within and that's part of my dharma and so how can I express that with the world and it's not about me being a nurse because that's where I'm getting I suppose I would have felt like if I was in your position like okay I'm doing good for the situation my dad was in Mm. it's almost like you know there's always something we're getting in return of that Mm. and then like okay sweet I can now I'm so much more grateful that I can run like you're just so grateful that you can run and that's like you know something you were doing and probably like being like okay sweet you know people pick up a drink and you're probably like okay I feel like shit I'm gonna go for a run yeah whereas like now you're like I'm so grateful when I get that opportunity to do it absolutely yeah you said that so perfectly oh oh my god you like and that it, it what I froth so much is just your ability to be so grateful to move mm. like you've such a pleasure in moving your body yeah and I think that that like is so powerful because when we can take pleasure in things that take self-discipline then it's just like we know it's not hard Mm. and it should be hard it should be easy it should be with flow and the more pleasure you have then the more power you have in it so I'm like I think that your gift to the world is that is like your ability to be like oh two three days a week okay go three four days a week I'm running like it's like giddy and cute and you're like oh you know like you're doing it because you fucking love it like you froth it so much and I think that was where we have an issue in society and why it's so easy for people to lean towards supporting people who are overweight because Mm. it's like then they get to get away with doing less of this so-called hard work and I say that with quotation marks because it's not like it's a fucking gift that we get to move our body Mm, so and like and I how do you support people or or how can you, or what are your thoughts around like pleasure in moving your body? Yeah. Um, I would always, I would start with the question of like, do I want, how do I want to feel? Like, do I want to feel my best? What is my why? Like, mm. what is the reason that I want to feel my best? Have, have a, not so much a goal, but like, uh, I just, for me, it, it, I feel like it comes so naturally now because that's how I've adapted. But I just don't understand how people wouldn't want to feel so great. So I, th- I think, yeah, it's just like knowing why you want to feel like that and then starting to make like set plans in place and reach out to people and environment. That is like one of the biggest things to take you on that journey you need to be in a safe environment you need to be in an environment where it makes you thrive where you want to work out like don't go join a gym that's intimidating for you Mm. like don't go join a group that aren't supportive or that something you don't enjoy just because you think you have to do that like do yeah do everything that you want to do like you have a choice and like I've said so many times but just like if you don't know where to start like just reach out to someone people want to help like Mm. reach out to me like I want to help I I want to help people start that journey because I know how fucking hard it is I know how you know you if you have we all have insecurities but 
it's hard to start something when you're insecure or when you don't have that self-love. So mm. reach out to people, like people want to help and yeah, just start off with like knowing your worth, knowing y- your love and mm. I just hope that everyone at least has one person that they can reach out to and if not, I'm so here for it. Yeah, yeah, having the courage to be like, you know what, I want to better myself and I want to feel better and for me it was feeling stronger. Mm. So like last year june june i was so to the point it'd been months of this as well i was emotional i couldn't pick up a fucking suitcase like i could at work they were like emma can't pick up suitcases and it was fucking embarrassing but it was like that's how much pain i was in and it was coming from my heart and all this area and it was like an old injury but it was also like it was so emotional and so i was going to all these doctors and trying to figure out like you know i'd go to the doctor tell them i didn't want pharmaceuticals and then that would be a whole thing but it wasn't anything they could do about it right no nothing was showing up on scans because it was emotional but then it made I lost my dog and that sort of like was the big grief catalyst for me Mm. we all have a grief catalyst I feel that like yours I feel like yours was definitely your injury because it's like okay cool now I've lost dad again fuck yeah like and for me it was like when I lost Monty I had been he was the only thing that I had throughout my journey when I was like for a few years when I was extremely lonely we would sit outside like watch you know when everyone was in bed and it was peaceful I was with him like he was always just there it was the soul that was with me so when I lost him everything came up Mm. and I felt so fucking shit for so many months and then at the end of last year I was like I want to feel fucking strong again and feeling strong emotionally and mentally comes from is it comes from feeling strong physically it does like it's not the only thing you still have Mm. to do the work on the other side but to feel strong physically as a woman so fucking empowering when people are like you're little don't pick that up I'm like I'll show you. Yeah. And I yeah. pick it up. I'm like, I want to be able to do that for myself. I want to go trekking the Himalayas. I want to do those things. Did I have, I didn't, I didn't really like the gym. I didn't, and I also have a lot of injuries. So I'm very out of alignment. So I struggle. If I go to the gym, I will feel very sore if I'm not doing it properly. So mm. I kind of needed a PT with me, which is why John T's been so amazing as well. But for me, the goal where, where you say goals, what lit me up mentally, I wanted to figure out what soccer gave me as a kid, because when I stopped that, I went off the fucking rails. Mm. And so I was like, cool going back to soccer my goal was to get on that field and feel the best that I possibly fucking could after 12 years of being off that field so that's what got me back into the gym that's what got me back fit and so I think it is having a goal like Mm. if someone's like I want to run a half marathon I want to do this these goals that you've had your whole life that don't take them into the next life Mm. fucking do them now but let them be the push you have and the thing that drives you to get up that morning to go to the gym and to maybe do those things you don't absolutely love but you'll find pleasure in the end result and I think that for me there's that's such a beautiful way that you put that because that's how I got to be feel strong and fit physically and I've never felt better emotionally and mentally. Never. Oh, like it so is so – and that's why I look at you and I'm like, you – like I show, was showing my friend the other day. I'm like, look who I'm meant to be next week. Look how hot she is. And she, we're just like, what a queen. What a <laughs> fucking queen. You're like doing your weights. And it's oh. like it's so sexy and it's so beautiful mm. and it's so fucking important because like we are all we have like yeah. I think that in this western world where we live in like a society where we're very privileged we don't realize how like if anything goes to shit like we just have our own body and our own strength yeah. and like I want to be in a situation where I'm in the middle of the desert or the middle of the Himalayas or somewhere where I'm like I know I can rely on myself because I've done the work to get myself there and it does come from being in the gym and being strong mm. and I think that that part is what we're kind of missing out on I do think people it, it's such an important 
factor of people can add in some level of like weight strength yeah. to their life. And so like how, like is this something you were always doing or is this something more important for you now with the weight strength? Um, yeah, I think it, it always kind of coincided with my running. So to be the best runner I could be, I knew I needed to be strong too. Yeah. So I knew that I needed to have strong glutes and hammies and quads and I needed to be strong for that reason. And then when I got into strength, I realized how empowered it made me feel as a woman and I felt strong and I just, I loved feeling strong. And yeah, just having that feeling come back lately since strength training is enough for me to continue it. And I think as well, like strength, it really does help with anything that you're, you know, if you want a little bit of steam out, lifting weights is definitely like a leeway to that into weights trust me did that recently so worth it absolutely and I wanted to just touch base on um something you were saying before but it was um you know when you are on this journey to find fitness and health and you know you're going through something I wanted to just say to feel it so like Mm. if you are you know, going through a heartbreak or going through something that's, you know, really painful and you turn to like sport or movement, like that's amazing. But make sure you sit and you feel what you're feeling. Let it come up, sit on it, feel sorry for yourself, cry and then go, okay, now I'm going to go do this and going to go move my body. Like don't use it. It can't be the mask. Yeah, don't mask, don't allow it to be the mask or, you know, you will end up suppressing it and it will come out. So Mm. I think exercise really helps with, you know, going through things, of course. But I do want to acknowledge that if you are going through something, like fucking feel it, cry, Mm. let it out, scream, like sit in it, be feel sorry for yourself and then get over it and then fucking get in the gym, go for a run. I couldn't relate to anything more. And it's like something I reckon I've been preaching for so long, but only probably, and even like the last 48 hours, I've been a fucking anxious mess. But I think the most powerful thing was like, I had a timer on, I was just sitting there and was like, you're not moving till that timer goes off. And I was just crying and crying and crying. And I was like, and it's the biggest release you can do is just to sit in it. But I, I agree. It's it's so fucking hard to just sit in it because you want to move and get away from it. You want to do anything but but be in it. And I think mm. that's exactly why like losing running for you, like losing sport for me in periods of time, like they've been a blessing because you've had to sit in it. Yes. But but people can have both. That's what that's we're both it. saying. Like sit you in can, it. Yeah, sit in it. Set a 15-minute timer. Go on your bed and lie there and just sit in the emotions and let them come up and know that this too shall pass. Yes. And then, you know, and then also be like, okay, Okay, sweet anger is such a normal emotion but it also needs to be expressed like I try to use like weights or screaming underwater or some sort of like activity for that as well because it needs to come out of my mm. body and I have so much energy when I'm in it so it's like both can work simultaneously always but you need to also feel it which is like what we both had to learn those lessons with everything was stripped away from us like you have to just sit in it unfortunately and it's also the best fucking blessing ever because mm-hmm. crying is a physical release you're getting lighter sister you want to yeah. fucking diet have a few tears shed in that sheds yeah. your water weight trust me like <laughs> you're full of it and it's it's so empowering to yeah. be able to I think that that's the biggest thing with you like you I, I have to unfortunately wrap this up longest mm-hmm. podcast I've done yet but I'm like <laughs> we didn't even touch base on like so many things so we'll I'll 100% get you back but it's like I could talk to you for, 
fucking ever. <laughs> the ba- my favorite thing about you is that like you're the most soft, sweetest, beautiful, feminine on the inside, but you protect yourself with this strong, sacred masculine that you've held yourself. And maybe there was periods through your life where you had the boyfriend and they were doing more of that for you or like whatever really, but you've done this. So you created, like right now you're in, your feminine can flow with such ease and you're such a soft, beautiful personality beneath this strong queen of a woman and it's like you can have both Mm. I think that we I grew up in a culture where people like if you have muscles you're masculine and this and it's like no that's just like such bullshit Mm. you can you're fully whole then like you can be the softest sweetest person and so fucking strong in the gym and that's what I think the goal is for me anyway is to be able to hold myself fully and I think you're doing it. You're fucking doing it. And you know how you're, you know on so many levels, emotionally, mentally, physically, how to support yourself. Mm. And that is the one thing I think we all need in this world. And you're fucking doing it. Thanks, babe. <laughs> and I, I must say, like, it's, it, it comes with a lot of trust and patience and self-love and a lot of work. So it, yeah. it can be done by any individual, any person listening to this now. Like, you can do it. You can you can choose to live how you want to live. Yeah. You can have it all basically you can, you as really well. can. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the pleasure you have in, in, in the gratitude you have in being able to exercise and move your body is your message. Mm. And like, it, it's so powerful and you're gifting that to people. And I think that you being like, okay, reach out to me. I don't, you know, it's a difficult place to start, but let's get you there. Let's start you somewhere. It's like, that's so powerful. And I hope that anyone listening and like, you feel that calling to do more or anything really like reach out to Nate, Nady here, who is officially coming out on this podcast <laughs> as a PT. She has all the qualifications and it doesn't even matter if she didn't have the qualifications because the bottom line is she embodies it and I think that that's so important like you have to embody it for me to trust someone to work with Mm. and I'll be 100% hitting you up for whatever (laughs) sessions you're doing like I'm so in I'm so inspired and yeah I think that you need I'm so glad you're sharing your message and your like everyday life with the world because Mm. like I'm inspired by it and if someone can take just 10% of that they're going to be able to improve their lives yeah absolutely oh yeah, I'm so thankful for you and I, yeah, I'm really excited to delve into this area of personal training and and showing people what their bodies are capable of, whether it's just, you know, going for incline walks or just anything movement-wise, I am, I'm so here for it and I hope that anyone feels like they can reach out to me for that. Oh my God. And we will be doing that. I'll put all of your details in the show notes and we'll be promoting this on Instagram. Mm. And I'm just so grateful to have you here today. Like Mm. I feel like I've gone from like any self-pity or anything I've gone like, you know, victimhood, which we all naturally have. Mm. But like, I feel like I just can just so just put that to the side and be like, okay, sweet. I'm inspired by you in the way that you just like are so grateful for every moment in everyday life. And you've been through it. Like you've had such a traumatic story and you still look at it with like, like such grace you have such grace for life and like thank you for sharing that with me and your wisdom with everyone who's listening today thank you so much I'm so grateful for you and I love you and you've taught me so much and just sitting here and having the space for me and the energy for me and yeah sitting so patiently and being so inquisitive and 
enthusiastic about my journey makes me feel so loved and seen and appreciated. So thank you. Oh, babe, I love you so, (laughs) so, so, so much. And everyone listening, I love you too. Thank you so much. You're the best. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. (laughs) If you made it this far, congratulations. You clearly learnt something, had a little giggle or somewhat enjoyed yourself. So do us a big juicy favour. Share this episode on your Instagram, tag Sheila's and Shenanigans and pop on over to Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and an extra delightful review. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, big love to all my party people.